today's special Super Bowl edition of the BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Whether you're doing business in Beantown or the city of brotherly love, you need talent to win. No one understands that better than ZipRecruiter. They are our 2018 presenting sponsor. They are fantastic at finding you talent. Let them help you. Let them use their powerful technology to identify and match candidates with the right experience and then invite them to apply to your job. They scout talent for you. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, use promo code BS. They're also offering a special promotion on Super Bowl tickets to all SeatGeek purchasers, not just first-timers. Use promo code BSSB for $250 off promo-eligible Super Bowl tickets. Once again, promo code BSSB for $250 off Super Bowl tickets. I was on a bunch of podcasts this week. I was on Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. That's where we did our annual Super Bowl props pod. I went on House of Carbs with Joe House and gave a review for Major Domo, David Chang's new restaurant in LA. I went on the Ringer NBA show to break down the Blake Griffin trade with Chris Ryan and Justin Barrier. And we have a Rewatchables podcast coming up this weekend. Varsity Blues. So that's happening. Also, don't forget to check out TheRinger.com. Not only did we have an awesome batch of Super Bowl pieces and videos from Minnesota on the ground with Kevin Clark, Jason Gallagher, Robert Mays, and others, and Roger Sherman. But uh, I wrote a super bag. Super bag six, everybody hates us, is on TheRinger.com right now. Uh, the annual mailbag that I've done six times now this decade. This one's mostly about the Patriots because you guys hate us. Talk about that. I made a pick for the game, too. I'm also going to make a pick right now with Mike Francesa, who's calling and coming up a little bit later. My old friend Vince Staples. He's going to talk about the Blake Griffin trade because he's a huge Clipper fan. That's right. It's the podcast you've been waiting for. Two of America's uh, oldest friends, Mike Francesa and Vince Staples. I know they hang out. I've, I've known they've done a lot of stuff together. This is the only place you can get Mike Francesa and Vince Staples in one pod. We might even call my dad at the end. First, Pearl Jam. All right, on the line, it's Francesa Fridays. I'm already sad. This is the last one. The football season is about to end. We're going to pick the Super Bowl in a little bit. But first, uh, Mike Francesa, your review of the two Bills, the latest 30 for 30 on ESPN. Well, you know, um, when I uh, two weeks ago when I was in Florida, maybe three weeks ago now, uh, I met with uh, Coach Parcells. I had, uh, had dinner with him. And uh, went back and chatted at his house, and he talked to me about the two bills, and um, I hadn't seen it, and really had not kept up on how it started and what went on. So uh, he gave me kind of his view, and then I watched it last night with my wife. Now uh, I know a lot of this intimately, and you know some of it was presented a little oddly last night. In that, I mean, some of it I thought gave you an inaccurate feeling, like an example would be. They made it seem like if Parcells had not waited 
to uh, leave the Giants that Belichick would have been the head coach. That is so patently inaccurate. George Young, who was left behind, detested Bill Belichick. Uh, uh, (laughs) His problems with Bill Belichick were far worse than they ever were with Bill Parcell. George Young would have hired the janitor to be the head coach before he would have hired Bill Belichick to be the head coach. I think, he by the way, I think that's what he did. Wasn't that what he did? Yeah, well, was he did, Ray Hanley the janitor? Did, yeah. yeah. He did. You know, he hired a guy that was considered to be by many there a genius, a guy who was considered to be a mathematician, a guy who was considered to be a whiz kid, and no one knew just how strange Ray Hanley really was going to turn out to be. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out to be the most peculiar, uh, you know, coaching uh, couple of years in history on a lot of fronts. But uh, people raved about him. I mean, Parcells used him to be his kind of timeout and his clock management guy. The guy was a card counter. He wasn't allowed in Vegas. He was a card counter. What? He was a mathematician. Oh, the guy's a mathematician. He's a, a guy who was known to be incredibly smart. Uh, and they were all shocked by what went on when he became the head coach. So they were very all high on Ray Hanley at the time. Um, but th- they made it seem that he depicted that. And I thought they really did that incorrectly because I can tell you, George Young told me this on numerous occasions when he was around, uh, you know, God rest his soul, that he never would have hired Bill Belichick. He didn't like Bill Belichick. Everyone knew yeah. it. Everyone the Giants knew it. Uh, so, uh, and listen, I'm not saying anyone could have ever predicted Bill Belichick's success. Nobody could have. But the point is, and everyone knew how smart he was. I mean, they all knew him as this brainiac coach. Uh, they talked last night about his nickname, which was very prominent. Everyone around the Giants, Doom was his nickname because he, you know, never smiled and stuff like that. But everyone knew how smart he was. Everyone knew how schematically smart he was. Parcells, I thought last night, captured for everybody more than anybody ever has. And leave it to him because he understands coaching so well what Belichick's genius is. Belichick never throws away a kernel of information on a player, on a situation, or anything. And he's able to bring every bit of it back at a moment's notice. And that, his details, the genius is in the details, and his ability to do that. And then to have a guy on the staff like Dante Skarnecchia, who is an utterly genius coach. That's why their adjustments, that's why what they hold for the second half in their offensive blocking schemes, in their packages on defense. Just look what they did to Jacksonville in the second half of that game. They threw stuff, and when they were getting hurt, they said, no, not yet, not yet. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. And they were getting rushed, and they didn't go to it. And they were getting hurt on defense, and they didn't go to it. He will save stuff. I've seen him allow teams to go right up and down the field on him, and he'll save something that he knows is going to work until he needs it at the proper moment. That's the kind of genius that that guy has inside game situations. And you saw that, I thought, uh, in the Jacksonville game, and I thought Parcells touched on that so well last night, and that's really what he brings. I think you saw one was fire, and one was just this detail, you know, schematic, genius and Parcells is the greatest motivator of people I've ever seen in my life on any level and Belichick is is as good a detail guy as we've ever seen as a coach and that's what you saw on display so when they were together uh, at their best and not feuding which they were at times uh, you had really a very tough group to beat and there were some other very good coaches on both the staffs the Giants staff and the New England staff uh, and even that Jets staff for the couple of years when they came back to New York so uh, I thought you learned a lot last night. There were some things, that, like, like I said, that were contradictory, but I thought you learned a lot, and you could even tell 
how the leaving from the past, which I will still, some of which I will take to my grave, which I know, which, uh, you know, never is going to come out. But let's be honest, you saw a lot of last night, the stuff that went on behind the scenes. There was a lot of skullduggery. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. Kraft did what he had to do. Marcells did what he had to do. Belichick did what he had to do. And obviously it worked out brilliantly for the Patriots. I have not watched it yet. I'm going to watch it this weekend. I do. You talk about the skullduggery with the with the Parcells leaving the Pats and all that stuff, which to me is still one of the most fascinating NFL behind the scenes stories we've had. Just because Will McDonough, who at that time was the biggest writer in Boston, and was pretty close to Parcells and had very close and had was in this weird situation where he had stuff that he knew that he couldn't totally report. And then when he reported it, it was so inside. Did. Yeah. It was like, and he was too close to it. Because I can, I'll tell you this right now. And I've never talked about this and I won't talk about what happened. There were two people in the room that Sunday before the AFC title game in Parcells office, when they had a fight before the game and they had a big one, two people, Will McDonough and myself. Now, Will McDonough eventually reported that he was in the room. He never mentioned I was in the room. I was in the room because I was watching the Carolina Green Bay game on, on the TV in his office. I was in there. I never said a word about it. I've never talked about it. I never will uh, what went on. But that, that Will eventually did talk about that that day. He never gave all the details. But it was amazing what was going on that week and what went on the week of the, of the Super Bowl. Because it, it, was, it, was a, a, uh, it was not the climate under which a team should prepare for a Super Bowl. It really was not. No, uh, and, 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 and they might have won. Everybody, and everybody was wrong. And everybody was wrong. And still with all the mistakes, if they just didn't kick the ball down the middle to Desmond Howard, they might have won the game. So, I mean, that, that's, that's how close they came. That team was so brilliantly coached that year. Uh, it was a good team getting better, but it was so brilliantly coached that year. It was unbelievable. That team played so well the re- from, from from about week six to the end of the Jacksonville game. That team played so well. It was unbelievable. And it gave up big plays, and it had some breakdowns against Falk. It clearly did. But it was really the special teams, and they preached all week, do not kick it down the middle of the field mm. to this kid. And you saw the play a hundred times. I'm sure you've watched it a million times. Uh, they almost get him twice, but it uh, uh, was just unbelievable. And that play, after the long drive, they were right back in the game, and it broke their back. But I, I actually thought the Packers were better, to be honest with you. So it really, you know, it, it, that one didn't really, you know, it wasn't like there was a wrong result there. But they really did a great job coaching that team that year. Yeah, they could have stolen it. It was Denver's year, and Brunel went in a mile high and just shocked Denver. Yes. And yes. But I think the next year would have been the team. But unfortunately, Parcells was not the coach of that team. Why? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why? Why can't this stuff come out now? It's been well, I, 23 see, years. Feel, first of all, I, w- I was there in an unofficial capacity, so I don't feel it was ever my place. Willie was working, and Willie was there. And let's be honest, Will was, and I knew Will very well, and Will and Bill were very close, and Will was had more power than any media member ever had as far as the NFL because he had the NFL office and he had all the NFL owners. And yeah. every, owner, every owner leaked stuff to Will. And the, and the league le- leaked stuff to Will like he was part of it. If Will wanted something from the league, the league gave it to him. I mean, they gave him everything. Yeah. They didn't give him some things. They gave him everything. Will always knew everything. I mean, not some things. And I listen, I knew Will very well, and Will and I got along great. But uh, Will was there that day. 
and he was the only one there except me. But I was there because I had been there all weekend. I had got there on Friday. I did my Sunday show. They opened the building up early for me to do my Sunday show. And I went down to the office to watch the Carolina-Green Bay game. Green Bay's kicking the heck out of it out, out of Carolina. So you know it's going to be Green Bay getting ready on a sleety, cold day. I don't know if you were in the building that day, but it was a sleety, cold, rainy day yeah, that awful. day when they played Jacksonville. And Jacksonville hung in there really well until the turnover and, you know, really was uh, putting on a pretty good performance. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, it's funny, Tom, uh, Bill beat Tom, who he loved, twice in the playoffs. He beat him with New York, with the Jets one year, 34-24. He beat him in that game. And then Tom, of course, came back to get uh, Bill uh, Belichick twice, you know, obviously in games you remember uh, very, yeah, very well. I do and remember stuff that. that people are rekindling this week uh, as we'll get to the uh, Super Bowl. But I, I thought it was interesting, you know, knowing them as well. And I've never, you know, I was always in a weird position. I was so close to... Parcells, I could not ever even deal with Belichick because at times they kept their distance from each other, even the later years of when uh, he was an assistant uh, with the Giants and before he went off on his own to Cleveland. Uh, I never had a relationship with him because I was so close to the head coach that I, I never was that close. And they kept their distance most of the time. They they worked together well. They never really ever they never socialized. So uh, so well, uh, I think but this... they portrayed that, but they but they talked about how much they helped each other's careers. And you'll get a fascinating early look on how their ascendancy started, which is really very interesting and just shows you how quirky coaching relationships are. I want I want at some point in my life I don't know why I have to take all this stuff to your grave. It's not like it's the JFK assassination. No, but teams. I just feel like if you're not there my feeling's always been if I'm there in a uh unofficial I get relationship it. that's not official, then I shouldn't say what I, I get hear it. or talk about. You know? Let me ask and you I this. Never will. I never will. Yes. I haven't seen the documentary yet and I can't wait to watch this weekend. I think Belichick and Parcells, if you're doing an NFL coach, Mount Rushmore. I think both of those guys are on it. I think Belichick, you know, you don't have to make the case for him. Parcells, as you said, the greatest motivator uh, of any modern football coach. And I think right. both. Yeah, I mean, uh, the equal of Lombardi in that, in that, in that regard. I, right. I think you, and I, I was never around Lombardi, so all I could go by is genius. Uh, but uh, I think he was that great a uh, motivator. And I'll tell you, it's fascinating. Uh, and this is something I've talked about many times, Bill, and, and uh, something that I and I know all four of them very well. So I feel this is an enormously uh, on the money. The Shashevsky Knight relationship and where their careers have gone completely parallels the Parcells. Oh Belichick wow, that's a good one. Relationship, yeah. Because they both are they both were the the mentors to the younger guy. The younger guys were more stable in that they were able to stay in one place for long. They also were more adaptable. They were able to keep their genius over long periods of time and able to adapt to circumstances, to people, to uh, management, to owners, to, in Krzyzewski's case, athletic directors. And both are very quiet guys, while the uh, older guys, the, the, the night parcels are very over-the-top, Dominant personalities, very verbal, very good in, in 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 press conferences. While the other two are very introspective, very much to themselves, but incredibly talented, incredibly driven, have both stayed forever in 
each of their places and have unparalleled success. So to me, the night Parcells is completely the same, and then Shashevsky and Belichick. So I, I look at those as being completely parallel in their two sports. You know what's what's funny about that, and I agree with you, and I think it's a good analogy, that if Belichick was a college basketball coach and he was watching what Calipari was doing in Kentucky, he totally would have switched to the one-and-done philosophy that Coach K has now embraced, right? Had to. Had to because it was the way to adapt. Coach K has always been able – see, what Knight never could do was Knight could never stop coaching the game that he loves and the game that he believes in. And so he never adapted to the new rules, but he also never adapted to the style that players – could be recruited to. Yeah. No players would play for him anymore because they didn't want to play his system, which was give up the ball, screen, play defense, pass. No, no. They want to dribble, penetrate. They want to dribble, drive. They want to shoot the three. They want to show expression. Duke did that, and he adapted it. the same way that you have watched uh, Belichick adapt. The one difference in it is the role that Tom Brady plays because that's the other part of this is that Krzyzewski's had a million players, as you would if you're a college coach. He has not lived off one guy. Uh, Belichick has had this alter ego, this other piece to the puzzle that has been with him forever, this historic piece to the puzzle, which has made that so successful. And you wonder... How good would he have been? While people will always say, who want to get under Parcell's skin, hey, look, Parcell's never won anything without Belichick. Okay? Yeah. Parcell's can't say anything. But go say, hey, Belichick never won anything without Tom Brady. And it's the same way. Look at, look, look at Belichick's career. It's average without Tom, with, with, before you get to Tom Brady. So there's Brady and what he brings to the Belichick legacy and what – Belichick brought to the Parcells legacy. So it's all fascinating stuff. It really is. That 2008 season when they went 11 and five with Castle and somehow didn't make the playoffs was the great loss Belichick year. Cause that was the one year he could really shove it to everybody who said he couldn't win without Brady. And they did yep. like, they kind of overachieved. They were 11 and five with a tough schedule, but the AFC was just stacked that year. And they ended up not getting in because of like a 17 way tiebreaker. Uh, Mount Rushmore. And it's funny because Phil Jackson, the same thing. Ninety four. Yeah, after Jordan left. If if you if he don't get the the you, the terrible call in the Knicks series, yeah, he might win the championship with Pippen, and that year would have been an incredible feather in Phil Jackson's cap and Pippen's cap. And if not for that call, they might have won the championship. Yeah, they. I think they won like fifty four games. Pippen yes. was a top three MVP candidate, and they no really question. they really didn't have anyone else. It was uh, no. Team in Grant. every category, yeah. the only other player in the league who did it in modern times was Dave Cowan. Quickly, Mount Rushmore, Belichick, Parcells, Bill Walsh, Lombardi. Is that the four? And how many do I get? How many? That's do I it. Get? You get four. You have four four spots. Lombardi given, Belichick given, Landry for me, innovative and stood the test of time would be three. And the fourth one, I'm partial. I'll take Parcells, but someone could make an argument for either Nola or Walsh. So here, here's my case against Tom Landry. And remember, 
you can't use him in the NFL, but the father of modern football is Paul Brown. You yeah, yeah. That, but his NFL numbers are just not the same. So maybe Paul Brown gets the Parcells spot. I think we're he, we're he probably both overrating Parcells. He, he's most he's the most the two most important coaches of all time are Lombardi and Paul Brown, and, and the third one would be Landry in terms of what the league was built on. Paul Brown is the father of modern football. I think Landry gets he's off Mount Rushmore because he in 1974 he platooned Roger Staubach and the other guy for like what half you know, the season. It, it, That's the uh, dumbest amazing, thing ever. Uh, amazing that he could not deal with the fact that Starbuck wanted to break his plays. He, it took him years to realize, I have to let him freelance. He could not handle Starbuck's freelancing. He, the genius of Starbuck was his ability to freelance. And he would not, he could not deal with Starbuck's freelancing. It was, it was a flaw in Landry's personality. Can you imagine if somebody tried to do that now? Platoon quarterbacks? No. The internet would lose it, its mind. Uh, every other play. Every other play. Crazy. Uh, let's take a break. Come back. Let's talk about my favorite automobile manufacturer, the all-new BMW X3. It wasn't built for everyone. It was engineered for those who share the desire for more, more passion, more ambition, more making every second count. The new BMW X3, plain capable of doing more. And when I think of athletes who have more passion, more ambition, more class than the competition, I think about the GOAT, Tom Brady. He used every possible advancement, training, and dieting, continues to work harder than just about everyone. Even now, now he's in his 40s. He reached a level of performance that places him as the best to play the position, all because he had the desire and drive to win more, to do more. And like my favorite Patriot ever, the BMW X3, capable of more with the level of performance you can expect from a BMW iDrive 6.0 with intuitive touchscreen, available safety features like active blind spot detection and next-generation X-Drive intelligent all-wheel drive. The all-new BMW X3 was built to handle whatever road, terrain, or adventure is ahead, no matter what. Here's what you can do. Test drive the all-new BMW X3 at your local BMW center today. You can even drop my name if you want. Say, Bill sent me. BMW only makes one thing. It is the ultimate driving machine. Back to Mike. So this is your first Super Bowl in 28 to 30 years that you have not had a radio show every day? When was the last time you didn't have a radio show during Super Bowl week? First time, last time I didn't have a, uh, a Super Bowl radio show would have been 31 years. Last time I uh, didn't have a, an NFL job of some kind or some kind of connection to the NFL would have been uh, over 40 years ago. Wow. So, the last month, I said to my wife the other day, this is the first month, January was the first month I didn't get a paycheck of some kind in uh, 40, I think 44 years. Wow. So, uh, so it, it, you know, from that standpoint, but this is the first time. Uh, and I had lunch the other day with Joe Brown, who was the longtime right hand to Pete Rozelle and Tagliabue and all these guys, and really was one of the guys who was one of the really architects from a PR standpoint of the modern NFL, and a guy I've known forever. And he actually lives a couple of towns over. So uh, he and I had lunch uh, about ten days ago, and he before he was heading to the Super Bowl, and we were talking about how much it had changed, and it has changed so much. I mean, this year. I'm glad I'm not there because I would not have loved the idea of doing my show next to a Hardee's or next to a Shake Shack. Okay, that would not have been that would not have been something I would have found very appealing right. to do my show. You know, squeezed between a 
a Chi-Chi's and a, uh, and a Hardee's or a Shake Shack was not my idea of doing a show. Was you know? Radio Row, when did it really like lose its mind? In the 1990s? They really, the first one, uh, when I, I'll give you an example. When we went to uh, Super Bowl 25, Giants and Bills, we were the only ones there. The next year when we went to Minnesota, there were like, and that was Buffalo, Washington, the last time they were in Minnesota. That was Buffalo's second loss. That was the Thurman Thomas helmet deal. Uh, that year in Minnesota, we saw the start of it. And then in L.A., for the first Dallas-Buffalo one, all of a sudden there were eight, ten stations with us. And they said, we want to put you in a place. They called us and said, we want to put you in a place. Uh, are you okay with that? And we said, we want to put you in a place. There's more radio stations now coming. Sports radio is catching on. All of a sudden in L.A., there's like ten stations. And then – it just exploded, and the next thing you knew, there were uh, platforms and studios, and the next thing it was this radio row, and also all the cable TV and all the simulcasts and all the networks, and then comes the Sirius and the NFL Network and Fox. and So now it's like basically it's a carnival. I mean, now it's like if you ever went to a uh, any kind of uh, convention at the Javits Center – or in Las Vegas, that's what this is. This is a convention Monday to Friday, and then it's a football game on the weekend. But it is a sports football marketing convention for a week, and then it's a football game on the weekend. And most of the people who go to Minnesota go home before the game. I'd say probably 80% of the people go home by Saturday. They don't even stay for the game. I remember like 12 years ago, I wrote a piece about trying to see how many shows I could get on in like four hours. He just right. walked around. It was nuts. Yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how many did you get on? I, the problem was I wasn't, I wasn't that recognizable. So I was wandering around hoping people would grab me, but, but most people didn't know who I was, but I Not still, yet. I still so was able to go on. You should go now. You should go back and do it now. That would be a nightmare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, with, did you and dog always get like pole position on the best real estate yeah. at these things? As you a must matter have. Of fact, we always got, and then, you know, here's what happened though. Dog went to where he had this in the last 10 years, he actually had this bigger stage than me because Sirius was a rights holder. Yeah. So they had this grand setup all the time and I didn't have as much space as he had. So he always had this better set than me in the last 10 years because he's been a, you know, Sirius comes with like, you know, 10 shows. Oh, yeah. They have all this stuff and they have about 20 NFL shows and they have the halftime show and they have the rock and roll and they have any everything. And how about this week where there was actually a show of guys fighting on Radio Row? I, I know. Mean, you have two clowns who want to, here's how I'm going to get publicity. I'm going to get to a fight with another radio host on Radio Row. Give me a break. I mean, that's, that's what where this, this is going. become. I know. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, it's a very confrontational business now. I know, I know in Boston, and I know some of the guys who are doing it, and I know it's partly an act, but, you know, a lot of it is like, this guy wrote a negative piece about a Boston athlete. We're challenging him to come on, come on our show and defend your piece. And it's very, yeah. very like in your face. Uh, right. And then the kid calls and then the young guy who I don't know calls Brady's kid a piss. Now, why would you call somebody's kid the name? I mean, first of all, yeah, that wasn't listen, great. 
I mean, I'm not saying do anything to the guy. People are stupid in our business. Problem with our business is this, Bill, and I'll say our business, meaning all of media, what you have done and what you have been greatly successful at, what I've done and been successful at is, you know, in our different uh, realms. But here's the thing. If it's a guy trying to be the next Bill Simmons or the guy trying to be the next Mike Francesa, I have to find a way to break through. I have to make people notice me. So I'm either going to do it by some ridiculous way or I'm going to say something really outrageous. Or, and that's what these kids all think they have to do. They're not going to go there and try to be clever. They're not going to go there and try and do it one good day at a time. They're going to try and see if they can break through and get noticed. And there's too much of that going on right now. Yeah. I agree. I think the internet and social media and the fact that if you do say something outrageous or crazy or whatever, it it immediately gets disseminated and it's out there and people are dissecting it like that fight you mentioned. That yes, 10 years that, ago, that we is, don't see well, that fight. Well, what Ball does, or what Ball does now. I mean, what right. he's done, you know, all the attention. He, I don't like the NFL. I don't like the, the, excuse me, the NBA coaches trying to dictate what should be covered and what shouldn't. But I'll tell you right now, I would never give him the light of day. I would never, because I can see what a huckster he is. I would right. never give him the light of day. But I don't, I don't want them to tell me. Let me figure it out. Don't I, They don't have to tell me how to do my job. Let me figure that out. Well, what's interesting is in the mid-2000s, when this, this was really the first time this was starting, and people didn't like it. And if you remember, like Stephen A. Smith, he had a show, and yep. he, he, was, he became this lightning rod to the point that he actually left ESPN. And I actually think he's talented, and I, I think uh, I think he's very good at what he does, and he's prepared, and a lot of it is shtick. I got to know him a little bit. Yeah, but I, I know Stephen A. well. I mean, yeah. I like Stephen A. I, I know him very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he toned down the shtick a little bit, but it's still a shtick to some degree. But I think now this decade, especially in the middle of it, when he came back and he started to ascend on first take, people are just more used to it, and they're more used to, like, here's my take. I'm going to say something well, listen, crazy, and people like wait, it. Here's the thing. Skip Bayless and, and, and uh, you know, your buddy and a guy I've gotten to know recently, Jamie Horowitz, is a guy who was one of the guys who developed this stuff. Yeah. And it's this idea of I'm going to take this crazy take. And Skip defend Bayless it. Has got basic, I said he's, Skip, Skip Bayless has about five guys that he goes after, and yeah. he's going to do whatever he can, including LeBron James, as we know. Right. And that's going to be his take, and he's going to make his he's going to make his mark and try to get ratings based on taking that stance on those three or four subjects. That's become a way of doing this, and it's it, you know it's become a cottage industry. There's no question. Everything eventually becomes a cottage industry, as we know. Yeah. Um, I wrote. A, I did a mailbag today, and one of the things I wrote about was the conundrum Giants fans are in with the Super Bowl between the Patriots and the Eagles. Yes, they, they are. And they are. What, so no what shocked me and surprised me, just about every Giants fan in my life is rooting for the Patriots for two reasons. One, the Eagles, they love the 1960 thing. They love that they can just hang it over the Eagles fans. They hate the Eagles fans. They hate the Eagles, right. the NFCs. And then two, this is weird, and I didn't know this until this week, and I, I did a little riff about it in my mailbag. The Giants fans are starting to feel like the more the Patriots win, the better it is for Eli's legacy in those two Super oh, Bowl it's the wins. Badge of honor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, All right, this so is you the agree badge with this. Oh, absolutely. The Giants are the only kryptonite to the to, to the Pats. I right. mean, that's it. 
we it's the Giants know that they completely and you want to call it the ghost of George Young if you can. The Giants stand between Brady and Belichick and complete immortality. Yeah. The only thing that stands between them being on a level that people don't even talk about, they just genuflect, is those two Super Bowl defeats. That's it. Now listen, recently there have been contributions. The ridiculous Seattle coaching staff that decided not to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. And then the Atlanta Falcons, who, as I have said many times, if I could have taken the Falcon coaching staff and locked them in a room at 28-3, that game is over. Okay. Yeah. All I needed to do was get them off the field where they could not be destructive to their own players. And that game, uh, Kraft would not be putting 283 little diamonds into each one of those uh, rings. That game was never coming back because if I give that game to a midget football coach, if I <laughs> give it to a guy who coaches 12-year-old players, he will take me home. There was no way to allow them to come back and win. give them kudos and Tom Brady for his fourth quarter brilliance, and he never gives up, but there's no way in the world you have to go out of your way to be destructive to lose that football game. Well, see, I would throw the Jaguars to we we haven't talked since that game. I thought right. the Jaguars, I went back and watched it um yep. like 2 days later and I couldn't believe how easily the Jaguars could have won that game and how many different easily. ways they blew it and how lucky the Patriots were. They were flat well, out completely lucky in that game. Completely give the Jag- First of all, the Jaguars played very well for 3 quarters. Secondly, for 3 quarters. What happened is they, they refused to allow Bortles to attempt to make a play. Yeah. And they, they were afraid he was going to lose the game. And when it came down, the push came to shove. They were afraid that he was going to turn into a pumpkin, and it cost them a championship. What you have to understand is there's two things, and I'm sure the Eagles, if presented this week, will not fall into this because I think their coach has shown that he's brazen. There's two things you have to do that the Giants did to beat the Pats. Two things. Number one, you have to have fourth quarter pass rush, which means either you had to rotate guys or you have to have fresh defenders in the fourth quarter uh, where you've rested your guys. Because you have to have fourth quarter pass rush. The Jaguars were dead on their feet. Uh, so were the Falcons last year. They they no longer had these racehorse guys coming to the quarterback. They got tired. Number two, you must have your quarterback make plays. Eli Manning had two sensational fourth quarters against the Pats. One year he was 9 for 14 for 152 and a touchdown. The other time he made the throws to Manningham and he made three thirds two-third and long throws in those fourth quarters. You have to allow your quarterback to make plays. You can't play against them in a shell because they will get the ball back and they will beat you. You cannot do that. You can't stop playing against them. That is imperative that you play them for 60 minutes and understand that means never taking your foot off the gas pedal against them. And the Eagles have depth. And the Eagles also get pass rush without blitz more than any team in the league, which is something you have to do to beat them. The one problem I have here, and we'll get into it, and that is Foles, after playing terribly into the first half of the Atlanta game, and Atlanta clearly left them off the hook. I mean, they didn't move the ball well. Philly's defense played well, but they had chances late where they should have scored. But here's the thing. And this is a different game, I think, if Atlanta's here. I think Atlanta wins. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if Philly will because of the quarterback. He played sensationally 
against a Minnesota defense that somehow fell apart in the second, in the fourth quarter of the New Orleans game and didn't recover. And this was an historically good Minnesota defense on third down, which was taken apart by Foles, who had one of the great playoff games in the last 20 years Yeah, in the Minnesota game. He had statistically one of the greatest playoff games played in the last 20 years. Can he do that again? That's the question. The Jaguars played not to lose. The Eagles played to win. And when they got the lead, they kept going. They kept going. He's still throwing deep. The Jaguars-Pats game really reminded me. I don't know if you remember. Well, you you remember it, but I don't know if you remember the details. When Sanchez came into Foxborough and beat the Pats that year. And it it was a very similar game where the the Pats fell behind. They kind of rallied back. And I think it was 14-11 to at one point. And and, uh, the Jets got the ball back. And they actually went down and scored. And they put the game away. And Sanchez finished the game, I think, with three touchdowns, zero picks. He played great. And played well, yeah. And Bortles, they just, the Pats basically stacked the line. And they were basically like, go ahead, throw on us, Blake Bortles. Go ahead, do it. They they saved a couple of coverages. They knew he wouldn't try certain things. They saved a couple of blitzes. They saved a couple of coverages that worked. And then Skarnakia went worked his magic in the second half where they saved their blocking schemes and then are able to build that little cocoon. And that is the great, the great unheralded part of the pass, which has never been given the credit it deserves, is the pocket that their offensive line builds around Tom Brady in these, yeah. in these spots and how he does not get touched in the ends of these comebacks. He does not get touched. And you have, and uh, you've heard me rave about him many times, and I know how high esteem Belichick and Parcells think of Dante Skarnecki. And Skarnecki, who they have brought out of retirement on multiple occasions, is a genius. He is one of the great coaches in the league. He could have been a star head coach. He never wanted to be. His schemes and what he does with his adjustments are so sensational. You know, adjustments are overrated in the NFL. Yeah. They're not when they're talking about they're not when you're talking about the Pats. Because the Pats have such a reservoir of so many different things they can go to. It's almost like someone else has four or five options. The Pats have eighty nine. They can flip a card. They can go, we're gonna do this now, we're gonna go to this now, we're gonna go to this now. They have such a reservoir of knowledge about the sport from their coach. And they are so apt at being able to touch everything. Plus, they coach their players so fundamentally differently where they're all versatile and they all understand when they have to flip the page. They do it at a moment's notice. And what you get out out of average players, the Pats' ability to get good performances out of average players is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in sports. They get more good quality, big moment performances from what are really run of the mill players than anything I've ever seen in my life. Well, for the Jags, they have a lead. They have all the momentum, and Gronk goes out of the game. And at that point, yep. you don't have Gronk. You don't have Edelman. Brady has never been in a playoff game since 2006, that Rache Caldwell game, which actually went and watched on YouTube against Indianapolis, where they had a million chances to put the Colts away, and he just didn't have the receivers. It was basically the same spot this time. Cooks can only just run that straight 20-yard turnaround yeah. and stop play. Uh he had Amendola, who I'm watching the game with my nephew, and I'm like, unless Amendola goes nuts this quarter, we're done. This is our only guy. This is the only guy Brady's going to throw to. And he goes nuts, and they win. How I thought that, was he, oh my, he was, How that was one was of the best quarters any Boston athlete has ever played in any sport. How good was he? It was amazing. And think about it. Look at what happened when the Chiefs lost Kelsey. They were done. Their whole offense stopped. 
Yeah. They did not. This is what Andy Reid. They did not adjust anything. They stopped playing. They couldn't get anything done. And you saw the Pats lose Gronkowski. They say, okay, now here's what we do. We go to option. The Pats, it's almost like, all right, let's try this. Okay, no, throw it out. Let's try this. Okay, no. And they just keep trying stuff until they probe and get what they want. That's what their ability, and I thought Parcells, if you, when you see the two bills, will tell you his ability to touch on situations, schemes. And he talked about last night coaching staffs. And how good some staff, so this was Belichick talking about how this staff was great because we could use every blocking scheme. We could use every different defense. We could use every coverage. And even Parcells admitted it last night. And I thought had in the past had seen some of the fights that Belichick and Parcells had had over coverages and stuff like that. He even talked about how much the adjustments Belichick used against the Niners worked and how Parcells, who was much more of a zone guy, Talk, let Belichick talk him into utilizing men, which changed their chances against the Niners. Their ability to change and to just basically take the history—they can do anything. They have so many good coaches who have such a reservoir of knowledge. That knowledge, that brain power, win with brain than any team I've ever watched in my life. And that's a—that is without question an homage to their head coach because they have bright assistants. And they have bright players, and that versatile, bright, tough players, and that's why they win. We're gonna take a break. Come back with Super Bowl props and a pick. Hey, let's talk about an innovative shampoo. Introducing Control GX, the first gray-reducing shampoo from just just for men. Just for men helps men look their best, so they can celebrate who they are, what they achieve, how they feel. They relentlessly innovate and deliver smart hair care technology that does the work for you, making it radically easy to get the natural look you want. And now, reducing your gray is as easy as washing your hair with Control GX. Just use as you would your regular shampoo until you like what you see. Subtle, natural-looking results. Shampoo in, rinse out, and move on. It is that easy. Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks. Wow. Look forward to a smart look because when you look good as you feel, every date night, every meeting, every guy's night out will be something to look forward to. Get 25% off Control GX. All you have to do is use code BS at controlgx.com. That's code BS to get 25% off Control GX at controlgx.com. Back to Mike. All right, I'm throwing a couple of props at you. Ready? Go ahead. Good. MVP. Brady's four to five. Is there any scenario where the Pats win the Super Bowl and he's not the MVP? Absolutely, yes. Uh, absolutely, uh, yes. So I would look uh, for something. Uh, I would look for somebody on defense. I would go to a Chung or somebody on Chung. defense, who, <laughs> somebody who could get wow. a couple of steals. Yes, I go to somebody in the secondary. I would go to somebody who gets me a couple of big picks and take him as a real out bet or a long shot, you know, a 30-to-1 guy or a guy who's the field and give me something like that because somebody on defense could win it, yes. The field is 20-to-1, and that includes, yeah, like, would, Chung yeah, and yeah. So Gilmore and like guys that like that. Or a deep back or somebody like that because they, I could see Foles coming apart. That's why I say that. You could see Foles coming apart. Yeah, I know he doesn't throw picks. I just think this is a different game. I really – I think everyone is almost now – you know, here's what's what happens, and it's a herd mentality. And what I always like to say is, 
if I haven't been there for the wedding, I don't want to be there for the funeral. And it's like people uh, will have a horse go off at 80 to 1. And then after the race, they'll say, oh, I should have seen that. And the next race, the horse goes off at 3 to 1 and loses. Well, if you yeah. weren't there for the wedding, don't be there for the funeral. Two weeks ago, everyone said Foles couldn't do anything, that he couldn't make a play. Now, this week is they're calling him Nicky Six and like he can't be stopped. Hey, hey, there's a whole lot of in between there. His first couple of games, his quarterback ratings and the systems I use were under 50 for the first three games he played. Last game, he played one of the best playoff games. I'm going to tell you this, in the history of the NFL, he played the highest-rated playoff game, I believe, in the last 12 years in that game last week in terms of every throw. Under pressure, his quarterback rating was like 125 or 130. He played sensationally well in that game. I mean, he played to the moon. He could never – but here's what that led the Pats to do. Instead of the Pats saying, hey, this guy can't make – this play, that play, this play, they said, hey, he can make this play, that play, this play. So they go in now afraid of Foles rather than disregarding Foles, which is what every other opponent did the last couple of weeks. I think that's a negative for Foles. Now, the one thing I will say is the Pat defense is not good. It is not good. I'm, I'm just sorry. It can get pushed around. It has trouble making it has it has so it has trouble creating an edge it has so many problems it's unbelievable i mean really they have put that together with bubblegum this year uh they can be had they can be punished they can be pushed around and all of that is possible and the eagles have the ability to do all of it the eagle offensive line is underrated the eagle running game is good the eagles got backs the eagles have receivers if the quarterback does not turn into a pumpkin they are going to be a pain in the neck in this game. They really are. Their field goal kick is good, and their coach is brazen. He's not going to play afraid. I don't think this coach is going to get in this game and, and swallow his whistle. I don't think he's going to coach afraid, and I think that's a positive for them. I really do. Foles is minus 150 to throw a pick. Uh, I would be on top of that. I would say yes. You, you that. like that, I, right? I, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I know he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, but I think this is a different game, and I think they're going to ask him to make plays here. I don't think they can go in this game and try and coach around him. I don't think that – see, they tried to do that early in the playoffs, and they weren't moving the ball. And then they said, you know what? We're not going to play that way anymore. Yeah. And they did it, and they, they made plays, and he stepped up and he made plays. But now everybody has turned on him so dramatically off this brilliant game because the world always reacts to the last game. Yes. Completely reacts we saw to the that, last uh, game. We've seen that every round. Yes. E- every time it happens. It happens in every sport, too. And to me... Uh, listen, I understand that every. I understand why people are on the uh, on the Eagles. I understand why the big bets and the smart guys have been on the Eagles. Uh, the line was a little high early. Uh, I understand all that. The Pats have had a history of playing very close in the Super Bowl. Also, this team has had been behind a lot in recent playoff games. They did not play well defensively in these playoff games. Uh, and the Eagles showed you a lot of ability. Plus, they have pass rush. Plus, they don't have to blitz to get a pass rush. They have depth. They have, a, they have a good roster. Let's be honest. The Eagles did a great job rebuilding this roster. They really did. And and actually filling holes from the injuries they had this year. They had problems. They filled the holes. So give their their, their front office credit. They did a very good job this year. Uh, and Foles is trying to be you know the modern version of Hostetler. But the, what, what happened there was the 
Giants completely changed who they were when Phil went out because Hostetler couldn't throw it like Phil. So they went to it, but he could move. So they used his mobility and they went to a very much a two tight, sometimes three tight end offense and gave the ball to Jumbo and tried to, I mean, I gave the ball to Otis Anderson behind Jumbo and tried to make some plays there in the running game. And that's how they played. Uh, and, and, by, played the, and by the way, Hostetler didn't even score a touchdown in the NFC title game. No. Uh, Super Bowl win the game, yeah. Super Bowl props. Chung is a hundred to one. Devin McCourty's a yeah. hundred to one. And yeah. uh I'll take both of them. I'll take both of them. And wait, there's one there oh Malcolm Butler's a hundred to one. Gilmore's in the field. So there you go. Take, so you I'll like take, the secondary I'll bets. Take, I'll take McCourty and Chung as my uh guys, yes. Uh, All right, how about this the one? Obvious, the obvious is Brady, but I, of course, and I always think the quarterback's gonna win, but I would take those hundred to one guys, yes. How about this one? Good. The entire day, Sunday, Donald Trump, five tweets. Over, under? What do you think? Over. Over. That's what over. I said, he, too. He, he he cannot pass up that audience. No way. First of all, he, first of all it's a big TV day for him. He'll have two cheese, uh, two big cheeseburgers, two <laughs> filet of fish, and a chocolate shake. Yeah. And he'll have plenty of Starburst in front of him, and he'll be in front of the TV all day. He'll be a, a, and I don't know if he's going to do the presidential interview. Uh, I doubt it. It's NBC. He wouldn't do it on them. He'd do it on Fox. He wouldn't do it. They don't have the game, so I doubt he'll do a presidential interview. Uh, he wouldn't do one with NBC ever. So uh, uh, from that standpoint, he'll. I would say I'm going to give you an over on the tweets. Okay. An, an over. Yes. Will Justin Timberlake cover a Prince song in Minnesota on halftime? Yes, is plus two hundred. Although it's starting to drop. I say absolutely he will, yes. Does he, I, I don't understand why that's not like minus 300. How does he I not say a Prince song? Not. How about what he did yesterday? Is that the fitting end of the season for the NFL? Here's a guy who gives the typical um, doing the um, doing the halftime show press conference and is asked the question about his son and says, uh, you know, would you ra- would you like your son to be an entertainer or a quarterback? He goes, quarterback? What are you kidding? Because I don't care if he plays sports. My son will never, ever, ever play football ever. ever. Yeah, that was that and was rough. Here he, here he is in Minnesota. I can imagine Goodell and all the NFL guys. Here's the guy doing a halftime show, saying, "What are you crazy? They banned Costas from the from the city for, yeah. for saying football players have their brains scrambled." And here's Timberlake. And what is he saying? Oh man, I wouldn't let my kid near a football field. That uh, that Costas thing. I mean, you could tell how they're handling it. Obviously, he's still getting paid a lot of money by them, but it's clear that the NFL was like, "That guy's not coming oh, to the Super Bowl." Him. They yeah. him. get him the hell they out of him. here. How about this? They said, "Leave him home." Yeah. Will a special team, special teams, or defensive touchdown be scored in this game? Yes, is plus one eighty. No, I, I, I don't think you can ever count that because you know what? They usually have to be short range if they're going to happen. Uh, special teams, I don't expect to ever get because they're really on their P's and Q's. So I'm going to say no to that one. Okay. Tom Brady, 25 and a half yards, favorite passing yards over Nick Foles, minus 165. He'd have to throw for 26 more yards than Nick Foles in this game. Lock. Seems like a lock, right? Lock. Um, Brady completions. 25 and a half is the number. Hard to tell. Um, that would really depend on how the Eagles want to play them. Um, 
Uh, that one, I'd say too close to call. I would, I, I would pass on that. One. Well, you're going to be surprised to hear that's my lock of the of the Super Bowl. I'm going over. Why? Because Why? I think I think they're going to dink and dunk them. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball on the on Philly's front seven. And well, I think, that really that really that really tells you how the Eagles are going to. So you think the Eagles are going to make them come the long field and they're going to give them the underneath stuff? That's what your plan. That's what you think the Eagles are going to do. Yeah, the I, Eagles are going to uh, the Eagles are going to set that. Not not Brady. It's going to be what they give them, and you think the Eagles are going to uh, are going to play them that way, not play them aggressively. I think they're going to no huddle, and I, it reminds me of the Seattle game. I think the Pats. We might as well do our picks now. I think the Pats are going to fall behind early, a little like what they did with the Jags game, a little like the Seattle right. Super Bowl, a little like the Atlanta Super Bowl, and do the thing where you know they wait, they wait, they wait. Now Brady's going no huddle. Now they're trying to wear the Eagles out. They want to get it to the point where it's the fourth quarter. Conditioning comes in. Nick Foles versus Brady comes in. The fact that the playoff experience, which I think can be overrated sometimes, but there is real Super Bowl experience where the game, the day is so long. And you've heard Brady talk about this, where you don't want to get, you don't want to peak in the first half because you have the three hours before the game. You have the national anthem. Then you fireworks and you get the flyby. And there's so much energy in the building and now you're playing football for 85 minutes, and then there's a 40-minute halftime. And Brady said it took him like almost five Super Bowls to realize how to kind of pace himself during the game. Now you have the Eagles out there. None of those guys have been in a Super Bowl except for, I think, three of them. Uh, quarterback who wasn't even starting two months ago, and I think they can get him in the fourth quarter. And I, I'm picking the Eagles to cover for, uh, plus four and a half because I think it's a three-point game, and I think the line is high for exactly the reasons you said about Nick Foles could turn into a pumpkin. I think that's been worth two points to the line, but this to me feels like a three-point game, and I just don't think the Pats' defense, the front seven, is good. You can run on them, you can throw on them, you can get to the sides on them, and Jacksonville was doing it, and they stopped, and I think Philly is not going to stop, so the Pats are going to have to beat them. Because uh, we kind of agree here. First of all, as you know, historically, uh, the Pats clearly coming here with a defense is not very good, as we know. And they do have a habit of getting behind in these games. They, and they keep getting behind in these games. Now, they don't want to push the limit like they did last year, but they still have done it a lot and made these amazing comebacks. And we've seen it now, you know, so many times in recent years, it's become almost, you know, a script that we keep seeing. So none of us would be surprised by that, nor with this defense would I be surprised by the backdoor cover if they're ever up. Exactly. Or, you know, because they'd give up that, but they would exchange time for yardage in a heartbeat. And I could see that happening late because they're just not a quality defense. So uh, from that standpoint, so we're, and plus historically, as we all know, they won their first three Super Bowls by three points. Um, They have not been a very good favorite in the Super Bowls, losing twice to the Giants. Very rarely, they have no margin games, as we know in the Super Bowl. They've either come from behind to win or won by three points. So we know they have not had any well, amazingly, considering how many times they've been here and won, they have a blowout team, uh, a la the 49ers, in, in these Super Bowls. So, uh, and I think Eagles have some edges uh, in overall uh, quality of play. I think they, they don't have a lot of weaknesses, the Eagles, although the quarterback matchup is one where I just don't think he can duplicate his last game, and I think he'll have trouble where Belichick will save some stuff for a late the emotional part here, my brother John has been, in, my older brother, 
who is going to be 70 on February 8th, has been a lifelong Eagle fan. He actually became an Eagle fan when they traded Roman Gabriel, his favorite player, from the Rams to the Eagles. Wow. Many, many years ago. Uh, his all-time favorite Eagle is Wilbert Montgomery. He's been a lifelong, crazy Eagle fan. And uh, he told me all year that they were going to the Super Bowl. And when the quarterback got hurt, I said, my condolences. He says, no, I still think they're going to go to the Super Bowl. And I said, you're crazy. I don't think you're going to get there. And they got there. And I haven't asked him yet. I got to get his prediction. He hasn't given me yet a, a straight prediction on the game, although I know he's going to hope the Eagles win. I don't know if he thinks the Eagles are going to win, but uh, I have to, I'll ask him this weekend. But uh, I'll be rooting heavily, but I think we're going to see more of the same. And the number that's been in my head all, all the time is 27-24 pass has been in my head all year, and I'm just afraid of the backdoor cover with them. I don't think they're a margin team. Um, I think the more likely cover is the Pats, but I don't have a lot of faith in their defense. So that's the number I've had on the game all the time. Is, so we totally agree. I think Pats win. I think they'll win, but I think it's going to be close. And uh, I don't know where the late money will go. It might not go anywhere. It seems there's been so much money on the Eagles. The number's down to four now. I think it opened at five and a half, six in some places, and now it's down to four. So uh, I know the Pats on the money line is still a, you know, expensive bet because it's still two to one uh but that is probably the smart play if you want to get into the game although it's pricey uh i think the pats will win i think the brady and the ability of the coaching staff to make plays and and to make the right judgments is always there if they're behind they know how to do this uh they've done it so many times it's almost like they're ready for it and waiting for it so uh we agree i see the pats uh 27 24 but i see the pats winning it's even weirder. I had 26-23. Oh, really? Yeah, we were one point <laughs> apart. By the way- Are you if, going to the game or no? No, I, I, after the second Giants Super Bowl, I can never see another Pat Super Bowl in person. <laughs> it was so the have worst. Have you ever been to a Pat victory? Have you ever oh, been yeah. to a Pat win in the Super Bowl? I went, I went to the first five Belichick-Brady games, so I saw three okay. wins. Okay. The uh, okay. Giants, my dad's 60th birthday- present was to fly him to that Giants game to watch us go 19 and 0 and our livers were ripped out of our bodies. And then, <laughs> and then four years later, uh, the, 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 I can still, I was sitting on the end, like on the 18 yard line where the Gronk Hail Mary at the end, where it seemed like he was going to catch it for a second. And that was it. And all the Giants fans are going nuts. I'm like, I'm never going to another Super Bowl with the Pats right I can't, I got to get out of here. I just want to, I, I left tread marks leaving well it's good that i'm not there because i have been at every pat loss oh jesus so i have been at the bear loss i have been at the the green bay loss and i have been at the two giant losses so i have been at at, let's see how many wins one two i've been at three wins and i've been at four losses oh well i'm glad you're not there by the way here's this prop Pats win okay. by exactly three points, seven to one, right. seven to one odds. I on like that, it. I'm on, on that it. one. Uh, I'm on all right. I'm will you? Uh, I'm taking it. Will you? Will you pop on a couple times during 2018? We'll talk basketball and stuff. 
I'll come on. I'll come on when we get closer to the tournament, or I'll pop on to say hello. But thanks very much for having me. Uh, this has been my only outlet uh, in, in my, uh, as you call, hibernation. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm here if you want to announce anything. You can come back on and tell us thanks. what's going on. You All right. It. Thanks, Mike you Francesa. Got, you, get, you get it. You get it first. I promise. Thanks, buddy. All right. Goodbye. Bye. All right, we're going to run a little interview I did Wednesday night with Vince Staples, who is on tour, an old friend of the BS podcast and the Ringer Empire. But I wanted to talk to him about the the, uh, Blake Griffin trade. But first, let's talk about Pro Flowers. Pro Flowers and Sherry's Berries have teamed up to help you really impress your Valentine this year with the perfectly paired collection. Go ahead and think inside the box this Valentine's Day because this really is a -a one-of-a-kind gift. Your bouquet and dip strawberries will arrive together in a beautifully, specially designed box that will keep your flowers fresh and your berries cold, guaranteed. Right now, my listeners can save 20% on any one of their perfectly paired combinations or any other gift over $29 with my promo code BS. They were nice enough to send us one this week. I'll tell you who is over the moon about it. Uh, Liz Kelly of The Ringer. You might hear her voice on the best of ringer things she used to do, but she got this. She she did not give it up. She just took it. Beautiful, uh, beautifully tasting strawberries, by the way, apparently. I have not had one yet because Liz Kelly won't won't give me one. I'm gonna get one from her. There's only one way to get 20% off a perfectly paired gift over $29, featuring beautiful blooms from Pro Flowers and freshly dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries. What is it? Visit proflowers.com today. Enter my code BS at checkout. That's all you have to do. Proflowers.com, code BS. Impress the one you love. Now, Vince Staples. All right, on the line, he's in Sacramento. He's been on tour for the last 17 years, and now he's ready to, he's ready to talk about his beloved Clippers who have blown it up yet again. Vince Staples, how are you? I'm good, man. How you feel? So... You were upset when this trade happened. Walk us through your emotions. No, I wasn't really upset. I just thought it was funny, but, you know, it's kind of a backwards order of things. But, I mean, who really cares when you think about it? Was was no one's going to win the championship. So everybody should do what they want for the next couple of months, couple of years. So it's blow it up. You're back to square one. Nine years of Blake Griffin out the window. Did you? Were you sad? Did you? Are you going to miss him? Everybody, should, I think everybody should blow their team up right now. If you haven't done a recent blow up like the Knicks or um, like the Timberwolves, everybody should slightly blow their team up. You got to prepare for 2024. Because you're saying, because you think the Wizards, I mean, the Warriors have locked it up now for the next five years. We got like the Warriors, you got the, the Rockets, you have um, the Celtics. I mean, it's kind of over for the Cavs already. It's kind of over for. Um, I don't know. It's over for a lot of people. I don't know who can win. It. Like who can honestly win the championship, except for the Celtics, the Cat. I mean, the Celtics, the Rockets, or you know, um, Golden State. Kawhi wants to leave because they tried to kill him, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> you, think they, <laughs> you think they tried to kill Kawhi? Is that what's going on? I did. I missed that yeah, story. And Antonio tried to assassinate Kawhi. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Oh, that's breaking news here on the on the BS podcast. Yeah, I'm yeah, they with you. To, they like false diagnosing like brain cancer or some shit. They try to you know <laughs> make them go through the ringer. No punishing them. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've seen this over and over again with 
NBA training staff screwing up something with somebody. It seems to be a recurring theme. I would be very nervous going to my team-appointed doctor if I had a medical condition, if I was an NBA player, but that'd be just me. You don't Look, have- man, just go to the, get, get health insurance. Go to the real. Do they have health insurance? Yeah, I think they do. I think NBA players have health insurance. If you have health insurance, why are you going to the team doctor? You're a millionaire. You're pathetic. Yeah. Um, no, they're not the best doctors. Have you seen the, have you seen the new doctor's offices they put in the mall? No. See, it's one. It's one in the Westwood. What's it called, Corey? That's one. No, what's one in the Westfield Mall? I yeah. forgot what the name of the doctor's office is. Corey took the name of the mall, not the name of the doctor's office. But everything is kind of you know electronic. It's like Westworld. You ever seen Westworld? Yeah. It's like that. I would go to them before I go to the team doctor. I like the fact that you're still going to malls. Oh, no, nah, I go to the new malls. I don't go to the old malls. You don't go to the old school malls? San Antonio has a mall that's like in a time warp from like 1988 that I walked through once during one of the finals. I was really impressed. It was like going back in time. San Antonio, you know, San Antonio took the prospering rapper TK from us, and San Antonio also tried to take Kawhi Leonard from us. So you should really think about that place. <laughs> the Alamo was in San Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah, it that, is. That was an inherently racist event, so let's just think about it. <laughs> I'm with you on your theory that unless you think you can beat the Warriors in the next five years, what's the point? I do think like when well, they- I was, I was, I'm not paying anybody $100 million and I know we're not going to win. That's a waste of my money. Well, what about 173? Because that's, that's what Blake was worse. getting. Yeah. Blake yeah. got $173 million and there was no chance of winning an NBA title. I would save the money. Yeah, I, when they did it, I was confused, but I thought it was because he was trying to get a new stadium built and they were worried about season tickets and all that stuff. But I actually think basketball... Well, they are trying to get a new stadium built and they are worried about season tickets, but who cares if you're not going to win? You well, that's the I mean? thing. You'd rather be, you have to think about the Lakers have a brighter future than the Clippers, and that should never be possible because, you know, the things that transpired out that way. Right. You don't want to elaborate on that? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens in the snow <laughs> it's called forward forward is the doctor's office where they everything is a robot you should think about it okay yeah but when they gave Blake 173 million and they actually broke down the salaries and the last year was like 39.8 million and he's already had seven surgeries that made me nervous and I'm not even a Clipper fan well Blake Griffin is the new Sean Kemp and we should embrace that we but, should embrace that. He needs he needs children. He needs a lot of things that Sean Kemp had around this time. <laughs> How many years did Sean Kemp play in Seattle? Uh, he, he probably almost as many, a little less than Blake. I think seven. Yeah. So okay, Sean Kemp played seven series. So he should have been going last year. Right. Well, he has made so the All Star team. Crazy. He he didn't make the All Star team for three years. So if you're paying somebody, he no, he hadn't made it since 2015. See, I'm so far removed from 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 you know successful basketball. I didn't even know who was on our team for the past couple of years. But what I can say is Blake Griffin is Sean Kemp, Chris Paul is Gary Payton, um, Austin Rivers is Nate McMillan, and um, DeAndre Jordan is kind of shrimp, and he's the he's the, the dude with the afro Perkins. He's kind of a mix between both of those. So no one made that analogy before on this show. I just want you to know the the, the Los Angeles Clippers are the Seattle SuperSonics. We are taping this on a Wednesday night Pacific Coast time. So if DeAndre Jordan gets traded before people hear this, then it's not our fault. Did you ever think, it seems like he's going to get traded. Did you ever think Doc Rivers was going to be the last man standing out of all of these people? I think Doc Rivers has always been the last man standing. I think that's part of his life. 
when Kevin Johnson punched the shit out of him, he was standing stock tall. Um, <laughs> I think that was when he was on the big. Yeah. When Dominique, when Dominique Wilkins got them in that gambling debt with the, with a um, big boy from ATL. That's based on a true story, by the way. It's the story of Dominique Wilkins, if you didn't know. Um, Doc Rivers was standing tall. I, I feel like he's done a lot of good things in his life. I have some friends who went to high school with young Austin down in Orlando. I kind of root for Doc Rivers now. Hmm. Well, you're going to have to. Well, you don't really need to be good to be a head coach, and we've seen that over and over and over again. Why can't Doc Rivers be a part of that Orlando Magic um, every New Orleans Hornets coach you know, thing where everybody just sucks? Why can't he be a part of that? I mean, I, I was... He, I've I've gone back and forth on him because he did win a title with the Celtics, but that also was I mean, a loaded okay. team. Remember they they took us seven games to beat the Hawks that were in round one. Remember, and then, when, Luke was, remember when Luke Walton was really the truth behind the Warriors' success? Right. How's that going right now? It seems like there's three coaches that stand out, and then everybody else. It just depends on what kind of team they have, or they can be worse than that. Popovich, Brad Stevens, aka Tiny Pop. Yeah, and um. Who's the, who's the third coach that stands out to you guys? We're in the room. Jason Kidd just got fired, so free Jason De- Kidd from you know definitely that bottle he's into right now. Definitely not Jason Kidd. He would not. He would not have been on my list. I not- said that Brad Stevens, Popovich, and who else? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. I think those are the. Steve three. Kerr let Jordan punch him, so he's he's you know you got to put him there. He Jordan punched him, and Steve Kerr got right got went right back at him and threw a couple punches that missed. But it was well, this it is was my thing about Steve Kerr fight with Jordan. Steve Kerr knew it was about the team and not Michael Jordan. And right. that's why he's a good coach. Yeah. I think I don't think that's an easy team to coach. And I would say Draymond is one of probably the five hardest guys in the league to coach day to day to keep his respect and keep him in check. Because Draymond will just go off the reservation. And he's done a nice job. Brian Winters was also a basketball coach. Let's not forget that. I remember that. Who was? Brian Winters. Oh, one of the first bearded NBA players. Yeah, you guys, you can't forget. He was out there in Vancouver causing havoc. Hey, since we started talking sports on my show way back when, you became more famous and successful, which I think everybody expected because you're young and you're on the way up. Do you, you, you made fun of a lot of athletes on these shows. Did you ever run into them? Of course not. I live very far away from everyone. I live in the wilderness. <laughs> and on tour. But, but I've, I've I've created a strong relationship with Andre Iguodala. Smart guy. I still have, I still have Harrison Barnes, my friend from Iowa, as I like to call him. Um, me and me me and um, me and Jordan Clarkson are, are are cool. They shouldn't trade him, by the way. That's a very big mistake because he brings the party to the locker room. And when Chris Paul comes through the back door, Justin Clarkson is going to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> I promise you that. They're trading him, just and for the record. They're tra- they have to trade him. Yeah, it's happening. Why? Because, Why? because they have to clear cap space for LeBron because LeBron is making them think that he's going to come there and whether he actually does it or not, we'll see. If LeBron but- James goes to the Lakers, that, I think that'll, that'll single-handedly ruin That'll be his back to the future three. Ooh, I like that. That's him. You can't go out west, you know, you know what I mean? You already went... You know, you, you you started in Hill Valley, you went to the future, then you came back to Hill Valley, and it's like, you can't go to the Wild Wild West. Just end it here. I think he's going to go to the Wild Wild West, is my prediction. I think, I mean, that, I, I think that's what happens. Well, where is he going to play if he goes to the Lakers, like position-wise? 
I think they're going to let him choose who's on the team if it happens. Let me ask you this. Why does he own two houses worth more than $20 million each in Brentwood? Why does he own two houses in Brentwood? Have you ever been to Cleveland, Ohio? Well, but what, but why own two? Plus his business okay, partner's you, you know, here. When you spend your days in Cleveland, Ohio, you want two houses in Brentwood. <laughs> Trust me. Do you, do you, would you lose respect for him if he went to the Lakers? Would I lose respect? I would never lose respect for LeBron James because he's held on to that hairline for a very long time. Yeah. Shows he doesn't care about what we say about him. People always leave that part of the story out. The fact that everybody's told him to drop the top, and he's never dropped the top. It's just, and he doesn't even do the Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, I'm actually ball. Right. He just keeps it there and says, I'm going to win championships with this on my head. <laughs> that lets you know what you need to know about LeBron James. He cares about basketball stuff. He's defiant. He's defiant. That's, that's how I feel. I like LeBron James. I just don't see him going to the Lakers. I think he's, um, I don't know, I think he has too much... Um, too much wits about him to go to the Lakers because he's not going to win there either. So I'd rather not win in Cleveland. It's better for my 30 for 30 because LeBron's thinking about a 30 for 30 right now. Yeah. And it's a, it's a multi-part. It's like three parts. Might even be four parts. And it's probably not so going to be very good. Thing. So this is my proposed trade. Yeah. Ty, what was our trade? Ty. DeAndre Jordan and yeah. Lou William. Yeah, Ty, my DJ. He's right here. He's my consultant. Okay. He's, Jerry West. he's your trade machine? Yeah, he's my trade machine for Kevin Love. It was a Kevin Love, DeAndre Jordan, and whoever else they want trade. And then we had the Blake Griffin for we don't care trade, like a couple picks. Yeah. And we also had the Lou Williams, Austin Rivers, Doc Rivers trade for D'Angelo Russell and one of those Rock Nation hats. That was our third trade. <laughs> you, you get the Nets coach in that trade. The Nets coach is actually pretty good. See, and we want the Nets coach. So you're, I'm just tired of Doc Rivers, bro. So you're thinking Lou Williams, both Riverses, for D'Angelo Russell and, and Kenny. You bring back Dan, you bring Kenny Atkinson back to LA. Yeah, because the Lakers traded their best player for no reason. There was a reason. And you bring up, What did they trade their best player for? Because they're trying to create cap space for LeBron. That's what I was trying to tell you. All right. So yeah, like I said, the Lakers traded their best player for no reason. Yeah. And we, we, you bring D'Lo back to Los Angeles. You let him get his revenge. Like, remember when Kobe was threatening to leave the Lakers and go sign with the Clippers that one offseason when he was hanging out in Turkey? Yeah, he used the Clippers. He used them. It's that narrative. Yeah. And now we use, you know, the Lakers to get a point guard because there hasn't been a point guard in Los Angeles since, you know, Baron Davis besides Chris Paul. Like, there hasn't been a backup. There hasn't been anything. It was a one-point guard team for like 10 years. So just get a lot of point guards and plan for the future because no one's going to win until 2024. See, I think LeBron, there's already been some buzz about now LeBron, the door's open to go to the Clippers, Jerry West, all this stuff. It feels like Kobe in 2004. I'm glad you remember that because Kobe definitely used the Clippers. There's no question. All right. Well, we got to wrap up, but this is what I'm going to tell you. Yeah. The Clippers need to blow it up. Everyone needs to blow it up. Indiana blew it up and they're doing even better. You know what I mean? This is the year of blowing teams up, so. Remember right. who said it first when every player is on a different team in the next couple of years? Blow it's it up. Steph Curry Kurt. Will you come back on some point? Always. All right. All right. Miss you, brother. Easy to find. Thanks, man. All right. See you. Thanks so much to ZipRecruiter, our presenting sponsor. Don't forget about ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Let them help you hire people. Just trust them. Thanks to Just for, Just for Men. 
The first shampoo that gradually reduces gray from just for men. Use Control GX as you would use your sh regular shampoo until you like what you see. Subtle, natural looking results. Shampoo in, rinse out, move on. Most guys get the results they want in about two weeks. Look forward to a smart look with Control GX. Get 25% off using code BS at controlgx.com. Thanks to our old friend Simply Safe, a home security I've worked with for years. Their brand new home security system, the all new Simply Safe. Completely rebuilt, redesigned with new safeguards against power outages, down Wi-Fi, cut landlines, bats, hammers, everything in between. It's smaller, faster, stronger than ever before. And what's truly remarkable, you get 24-7 protection for only $15 a month. No contract. Supplies are limited. Visit simplysafebs.com. Don't forget about my column on the ringer.com. Superbag 6, everybody hates us. Don't forget about all the podcasts we did this week. Larry Wilmore on Wednesday. We did... Uh, Cousin Sal and who else was on Monday, Tate? Cousin Sal and no, who was the second one? It was somebody good. J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, that we taped it a week before. That's why I forgot. He was awesome, though. If you love Oz, check that one out. And also, Ringer NBA Show is on there, Broken Down the Brick, Griffin Trade. Um, against All Odds with Cousin Sal, we did the Super Bowl props. House of Carbs. David Chang, Major Domo Review. And then this weekend, the Rewatchables with Varsity Blues is coming on. When do I get to come back on one, one shining pod, Tate? Whenever you're ready. We're, we're gearing up. I'm watching college basketball now. Yeah, mid-February. Mid get ready for March. We're ready Talk some you, gambling? Yeah, we're ready when you are. All right. You invited me on in December. We had a great time. We did a two-parter. Yeah. Uh, and Tate's got GM Street Sunday night. Don't forget about that. Uh, right after the game, him and Lombardi are going to be breaking it down. And hopefully, don't feed Lombardi too much food. I'll do my best. Try to... Uh, did not call my dad. I can't. We've had mixed results calling my dad on the Friday before, but I will be calling him uh, next week after the game. Go Patriots. Let's do this. I'm ready. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the game. Back on Monday with Sal.